Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Reading today from the 12th chapter of Mark's Gospel, I'll begin at the 28th verse. As we come to this passage, first join me in a word of prayer. God of mercy and of grace, what we hunger for more than anything is your word, your voice, your way. So as we turn again to these ancient words by your Spirit, Breathe them to life in us, we pray. In the name of Christ, amen. Listen for God's word for us. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, he asked Jesus, which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, the first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and that beside him there is no other and to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared ask him any question. The grass withers and the flower fades but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. So the scribe asked him, what is the greatest commandment? What are we for? What is life about? Jesus said love. The thing about love, though, is there always has to be someone to love. You can't do it by yourself. In his book, Abundant Community, Peter Block describes what he calls the erosion of citizenship in contemporary America. He he describes citizenship this way. The way to the good life, he says, is a path that we make by walking it with those around us. We together become producers of a satisfying future. A satisfying future, Block says, is claimed by walking together. I read those words over a decade ago and found them to ring true, but today one might wonder if citizenship, as Block describes it, is ground we can recover at all. Assuming that we were that way before, can we be that way again? We are living in unsettling times. 
not for all, but for the majority of Americans, the reversal of Roe, which is, was called settled law by the very justices who reversed it, makes us wonder what is settled now. Conservative justices reading the Constitution through a philosophy or judicial philosophy of originalism, it's somewhat akin to the way fundamentalists read Scripture. Fundamentalism has always been too narrow, uh, uh, too narrow way to read to point to abundant life. And with T- Justice Thomas signaling what he hopes to overturn next, it is fair to wonder what is settled, where are we going? I told you last Sunday that I would speak about this this Sunday, and on Monday I shared in an e-note much of my thinking. Many of you have responded sharing your thoughts, which I appreciate, and what, a lot, what you shared is a lot of uncertainty. There's a feeling among many, particularly women, who are feeling that they're somehow lesser than they were before. As one woman said to me, I heard the news and I was shaken. The ruling claims to take power from the federal government and give it to the states, but the consequence, as my friend David Vondrely has said, it takes power from women and gives it to the government. It's rare when a right that the country has previously provided is taken away. And it implies that we can't be trusted, that women can't be trusted. I'm no evangelist for abortion. It's not something that should be embraced casually. Bringing a child into the world is a miracle and one of the most amazing experiences we can know. But we also know sometimes that's not the case. Further complicating the conversation for us as people of faith is that the Scriptures really don't speak to this. There's no biblical teaching on when a fertilized egg becomes a human being. It's It's an issue of modernity. And so you and I have our thoughts about this, and we should. We should think about it deeply, and our faith should inform that thinking. But we can't really claim to know the mind of God on this And because we can't, we should be gracious to one another as we struggle with this and honestly find ourselves in different places. One of you wrote to me this week and said, I appreciate what you said, but at the end of the day, I'm on a different page than you. Is there still room for me at Village? (laughs) Of course there is. There's room for you with God, so there's room for you at Village. We are not the church because we all agree my faith and wisdom have great limits. That's true for us all. If you and I don't agree, you may be right. I may be wrong. If we do agree, don't celebrate. We could both be wrong. I make no claim to know God's will and way all the time. I can only be honest with you about what I see. A few of you have said, Tom, it's really not your place to talk about this. I hear that. I just 
don't agree. I, I think we're all struggling to discern the ways of God in this world, and faith is always enriched when we can talk about anything in here. But discernment is difficult in unsettled times, and I think the times are unsettled in part because of what Peter Block recognized. There is an erosion in our civic spirit. We see it all around us. We see it in the divided news narratives that surround every aspect of our lives. There's no way for me to speak about something that really matters or for you to have a conversation about something that really matters without bumping into one news narrative or another. We not only lack shared values, we lack shared facts. There are too many reporters who begin with their conclusions and cherry-pick facts or substitute falsehoods for truths, with the result being there is no shared civic narrative in our culture today. That reality is eroding the strength of our union, it seems to me. No community, not a family, not, not a workplace, not a school, not a nation, no community, not a church, can stand together, can hold together apart from truth. And the willingness to embrace and propagate untruth is destroying us. The most egregious expression of the weakening of what Peter Bach calls our civic spirit is being rehearsed for us in the hearings on the January 6th revolt. It has shaken us because to attack democracy in America, that should be foreign to us, shouldn't it? But it has made all of us aware that democracy is not a given. The America we love should not be treated casually or the experiment of democracy could slip from our fingers. It is being tested today. I share Peter Block's concern for the erosion of civic spirit because I'm Presbyterian. To say you're a Presbyterian may or may not communicate your doctrine, but it does communicate how you think decisions should be made, what you believe are the values of good governance. And for us, we produce a satisfying future together. It requires trust. It requires truth. And we do it together. We do everything by committee, not because it's efficient. It's not. We do everything by committee because the good life is built together. If there aren't committees in heaven, Presbyterians aren't going to know what to do. This stumbling, fragile, and even sinful Presbyterian church has been my primary teacher on what values shape communal life. This includes a confidence that the good life is shaped together, and that requires truth, and it requires trust. I can't know the mind of the scribe who came to Jesus, but I wonder if he was seeking wisdom because he too felt that times were unsettled. They often are. Which is the greatest commandment, he asked. What, what are we for? Jesus said, love God with all that you are and love your neighbor as yourself. 
In this moment, Jesus engages in the only conversation in the whole of the Gospel of Mark that's about love. It's the only time that love is talked about. Does that surprise you? It's the only time that love is discussed. There, there are demonstrations of love from the beginning to the end of the gospel. He heals the sick. He raises the dead. He speaks words of mercy, and he calms every kind of storm, all acts of love. But here is the only time that love of God and of neighbor is discussed, and it's identified as the reason we exist. It's what we're for. I suppose that the uh, this first instruction to us is because in Christian faith, we understand love is not primarily a declaration of our feelings. Of course, we feel love. We do. All of us do. But the commandment does not call us to feel one way or another about each other. The commandment speaks to how we treat one another. Love is something that we do. It is a choice we make to live for the good of the neighbor. I think citizenship is a form of love of neighbor, or at least for people of faith, it should be. <laughs> Every December, Christians celebrate Christmas. I, I, I know it's hard to think about candlelight and carols on the weekend of fireworks, but bear with me for a moment. In the incarnation, the heart of God chose to enter human history to live in this world. Why did God do that? To state the truth of Christmas simply, God wanted to be in this world because God loves this world. God loves this place. This is the world of God's creating and of God's redeeming. God loves this world and as people of faith, we endeavor to love what God loves. And if God, if we love what God loves, then I think we're called to love our place, to love our country. The traditional language for that is patriotism. It's often been a good word. But in the cultural climate of recent times, we need to reflect on what it means to be patriotic. Just one example. Those who stormed the Capitol a couple of years ago, they all identified themselves as patriots, committed to stop the steal as they were told. They called for the vice president to be hung. People were killed. The building that is the center of our communal life was desecrated. They attacked democracy, and they professed to do this because they are patriots. But it's a patriotism that diminished and belittled the value of neighbor. I think we need fewer patriots like that and we need more citizens. We need people devoted to building the satisfying life together, the satisfying future together. It's a harder choice. Embracing cynicism and conspiracy is much easier. But too much of our common life is defined by a patriotism that traffics in shaming others, in dismissing others, in lying to others, and even in attacking democracy itself. These are lazy forms of patriotism. 
we can choose a better way. It's hard. It takes a long time. But we can build a satisfying future together. So in unsettling times, I urge you to lean on this basic teaching of our faith. It will urge us not simply to be patriots, but to be patriots informed by citizenship. Peter Block says our civic spirit is eroding and wonders if it can be reclaimed. I think it can. But things that really matter take time and hope, and as Jesus taught us, a willingness to love our neighbors. So love what God loves as best you are able and as best you understand. Love what God loves, and that includes loving this country. But let that love be informed by citizenship. I believe when life is unsettled, this is our way forward. This is the way to find a satisfying future. When Jesus was asked, what are we for? He said, love God and love one another and build that together. Love is something that we do. It involves trust. It involves truth. It does not belittle or shame. In unsettling times, this remains our way forward. It's not fast. It's not easy. But it is the greatest gift that we can offer our neighbor and our nation. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.